That's a message right there. Today's message, it's, turn it over, it's kind of fitting that the word church is upside down in the banner that we have before us today. Because in this, in this message that we're going to receive in Acts 10 and 11, we are going to see the New Testament church, the church of Acts, we're going to see it almost literally get taken and shaken at its traditional roots and turned upside down. Everything is about to change for them. So, in Acts 10 and 11, we're going to encounter three groups of people. We're going to, win, we're going to encounter the circumcision crowd. They are the, the old schoolish, old school, okay, calm down, John. <laughs> they are the old school Jewish crowd who has come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they are still clinging to many of their traditions and laws. They are not experiencing the freedom that Jesus gave them. They're not experiencing yet the chains that he broke. Peter, we will also encounter him. He is one of that old school set of traditions. You see, Peter... He walked with Jesus. He met with Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus. He learned from Jesus in those three years. But in those three years, he didn't fully come to understand everything that Jesus had taught him. In this message today, we're going to see God take some of the things that Peter had received while he was walking with Jesus and put it into absolute action. Now, the circumcision crowd, the old Jewish community, and Peter, they had an issue. See, there was this group of people called Gentiles. And with the exception of one person in this room that I know of today, we are all Gentiles. You see, they didn't like the Gentiles. They didn't care for the Gentiles. They, in, some might even say that they disdained the Gentiles. They would never reach out to the Gentiles. They would never have dinner with the Gentiles. They would not go into the home of a Gentile. And that's us. And if what we see in Acts 10 and 11 had not happened... They would have purposely withheld the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ from us. And then we're going to encounter Cornelius, and he represents us. He represents the Gentiles of that day. You see, the Gentiles, Cornelius and his house, they knew who God was. They knew about God. They had heard about God. They knew who God was, but they did not yet know God. In this narrative, everything is about to change. Now, in Acts 10 and 11, it is true that this narrative in the entire book of Acts is the longest narrative that exists. Two chapters. There is a season of messages that could be taught from these two chapters in the book of Acts. We only have time this morning to look at a very, very small amount of it. If you would ever like to get together and talk about the rest of it, I'm John at avalonchurch.org. You can reach me through the church office. You can call my cell phone, 407-484-5747. If it works, I would love to talk to you about the rest of it. But for this morning, focus with me on just these components. First, I know the text is small, but let's give honor to the text that God gives us. In chapter 10, and starting in verse 29, so when I, Peter, was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius, the Gentile, 
said, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately. He didn't wait. He sent for him immediately. And it was good of you to come. Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word from God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the circumcised crowd, criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you dared eat with them. They were spun up. They were spun up about Peter and the disciples not only spending time with the Gentiles, but that they had dared to sit down and have a meal with them because this was illegal. This was a violation of Jewish law. Starting from the, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up into heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me. We entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is also called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as it had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? Who am I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they, the religious council, the circumcision crowd, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance and life. In this story, in this, in this narrative, we encounter three people groups plus Jesus. Without the plus Jesus, nothing ever really matters. We encounter, the, we encounter the circumcision crowd. We encounter the religious believers, those who had surrendered to Jesus Christ but still held on to their old traditions. We encounter Peter and his men 
and we encounter the Gentiles. And with those three people groups plus Jesus, we're going to pay attention to four things. First is a revelation. And then we're going to see a reaction, and then a response, and then a paradigm shift. And obviously this must not be Sunday morning church because if it were Sunday morning church, all four would have to start with an R, so I am sorry about that. <laughs> and in the revelation, as I sat and studied on this this morning, as I thought about this this morning, I began to wonder if it was as much of a revelation as it was of a reminder of what Peter had already learned. See, Peter was up on the rooftop. And when he encountered this, when he, when he saw all of the animals, when he saw the sheep being lowered, when he saw this vision, he was in a trance. His first response was, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. In the, in the other part of the text, he says, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Having read, having read the scriptures, see, Peter, he didn't have the luxury of reading the gospel narrative because he was living it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they hadn't been written yet. None of the books of the Bible. I have the luxury when I read that, said, I have, I have heard something about this before. And I thought back and I did a Google search. And then I found Jesus in Matthew 15. See, here's how, here's how Jesus said it. Hear and understand. He, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's not what you eat. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. See, if Peter had only had the opportunity, like I had, to go and do a Google search and, and ask, when did Jesus say this, he would have been able to recall and, and know this very, very thing. And he would have been reminded of it. If only Peter had been there. But then if we continue to read the text in Matthew 15, we see that Peter was standing right there. And not only was Peter standing right there, he gave Jesus a pop quiz. But Peter said to Jesus, explain this parable to us. And Jesus said to Peter, are you still without understanding? Peter, don't you get it yet? Are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? It's a good thing Pastor Jim and Miss Debbie are in, 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 in Italy right now because if not, I probably would have said something like, um, passes, goes into the mouth, passes into the stomach, and then is pooped. But it's a good thing he's not here, so I won't say that. But what comes out of the mouth, it proceeds from the heart. The words that come out of your mouth, it's not the food that you put into your mouth. It's the words that come out of your mouth that give evidence to what is inside of you. See, it's those things that come out of your mouth that defile you. Peter, don't you get it? See, up on that rooftop, Peter's being reminded of what he already knew, but he hadn't come to grasp it yet. When he was tested, he clung to tradition instead of teaching. Pastor Don likes to put it like this. Peter right now, he is wrestling with a concept. He is wrestling between tradition and what Jesus Christ had said. The next thing we see from Peter is going to be a reaction. See, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the vision is over, and now Peter is up on the rooftop, and he is thinking about the vision. He's contemplating, I, I hope, and I pray that in that moment, Peter is remembering back to the words that he had heard from Jesus Christ. See, but 
The text doesn't tell us this, but I have hope because when I experience a moment in my life, when I am being tested, when, when what, I, what I believe I know is being tested, or I'm in a circumstance, in those rare moments when I give myself permission to take a pause, to take a breath and think about it instead of immediately reacting and saying something rash, like, surely no, Lord, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. If I give myself permission to take a moment, the scripture that I have read and that I know starts to come back, and God uses that moment to reveal to me what he wants me to think. See, he gave us the 66 books of the Bible, his written word, so that we can plant it in our hearts, so that we encounter those circumstances, we can understand what he would want us to know. But up on that roof, Peter takes a breath, and I pray that he is starting to think about that. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit came to him, the same Spirit that had lowered, and spoke, lowered the sheet and spoken to him. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So now we're going to see Peter's reaction. Is he going to, again, argue with the Spirit? Is he going to argue with the one giving him direction? Or is he going to transition from tradition to obedience? And luckily, Peter went down at once. And he said to the men, I am here. I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? See, in that moment up on that rooftop, in the last four weeks, Pastor William and Pastor Don, they've given us an example. They've been talking about staying in love, staying in love. And, and, and as part of that staying in love, Pastor Don gave us a, a, a visual example that, of, of a cream-filled donut, okay? And he said, when we are squeezed, what's inside of us comes out. It's kind of like, kind of like a cream-filled donut. And in that moment up on that rooftop, Peter, see, he is, he's being squeezed. He's... In that moment, up on that rooftop, Peter's just like a, like a filled donut. He's being squeezed, and what's coming out of him is tradition. It is not what he was taught. And, well, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> you were right. Okay. <sighs> Baby, I'm sorry. <sighs> Peter gives up his tradition. <laughs> when he encounters, when he sees those men. <laughs> I love you, Josh. <laughs> when Jesus sees those men, there is no if y'all had seen it, poor Don, poor Don, he was down here saying, no, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So this, is, this will be my last time ever speaking before Avalon Church. I want to thank you very much. There is no way that when Peter came down off the roof and he encountered the men who had come for him, there is no way that he did not know and realize that they were Gentiles, that they were not Jews. There is no way. And so when he encountered them, what do you want from me? 
And they told him that Cornelius had had a vision and sent for him so that Peter would come to Cornelius's home and share, we call it the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus' life and his teachings and how sin separates us from God and how Jesus paid the price for our sins and Jesus' sacrifice, sacrifice when he became that sacrifice. And then Jesus' death and then his resurrection to give us victory over life. Amen. G Amen. Peter had been called to Cornelius' house, to the house of a Gentile. So now in this moment, Peter's wrestling. He's got to be wrestling. He's like, my tradition says that I may not go in. It's, it is against the law for me to go into the house of a Gentile. I can't do that. But just as I pray, just as I pray that when Peter heard the words, when he thought about the words, take it, eat it, don't call anything that I have made unclean, that he would remember the moments when Jesus said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I have other sheep other than you Jews. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. When Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself, not just the Jews, but all people. And when, when, when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just the Judean nation, not just the tribe of Benjamin, not just the Jews, but go make disciples of all nations. And in Mark, when, when, he, when he writes down that Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the whole gospel, the truth of the gospel to the whole of creation, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. I pray that as Jesus was in, uh, that as Peter was encountering these Gentiles, instead of saying it's against the law for me to go with you, that he was beginning to remember the teaching that he had received from Jesus Christ. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is after Jesus' resurrection. And you will be my witnesses in Judea in Jerusalem, the neighborhood, and in Judea, the community, and then in Samaria, those people you don't normally talk to, and then to the ends of the absolute earth. Peter has a choice, and he makes a reaction. So he goes with the men, and then we see the response. And we're gonna focus on two responses in this moment. We're gonna focus on Peter's response and the response of the Gentiles. while talking with him, while talking with Cornelius. So now we're fast-forwarding. Peter is in Caesarea. He's in the home of Cornelius. He is surrounded by Gentiles and six of his Jewish brothers. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with you or visit a Gentile. You are well aware that I'm not allowed to be here. But guess what? I just had a revelation. I just had a reminder the God in heaven above has shown me that I should not call anyone unclean or impure. Peter's response is to let go of the tradition and to cling to Jesus' teachings, to cling to the truth of the gospel. As I studied for this message, as I prepared for this message, as I prepared for this moment, I had to look in the mirror and give myself a very, very honest evaluation and ask myself, where in my life where in my life am I clinging to a tradition that is incompatible and inconsistent with what Jesus and what God have called us to do through his written word? I would ask that as we walk through our lives, each and every one of us would give ourselves the opportunity to ask ourselves that candid and pure question. And if you don't know the answer, come to us with the question. 
We will try and help you find the answer. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without arguing. When I was sent for, I didn't, I didn't deny it. I just came. Thank you, Peter. Because candidly, since we're Gentiles, if Peter had not submitted to that, God's gospel would not have been to us. What was the Gentiles' response? When he, Peter, this is, this is Cornelius, reminding us of what the angel had said, he, Peter, will bring you a message. It's not Peter through which salvation is achieved. But Peter's going to bring you a message of the truth of the love of Jesus Christ. That message through which you and your entire household will be saved in this moment, in this moment that Peter is experiencing. Here's what's happening to him. He is learning how to see the Gentiles through God's eyes, not through his Jewish eyes. He is learning how to love the Gentiles like God loves, not like the Jew would love. He is learning how to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. The good news of the gift of Jesus Christ, it is not reserved for only a few. It is given to the entire world. Who are we to be stingy with it? God has given us, God has given us the command to be his heart, to see people through his eyes. And I promise you, Jim told me to never make a promise you can't fulfill. But I tell you, I promise you, if you begin to see people through God's eyes, you will never see them the same way again, and you will not be able to resist telling them the truth about Jesus Christ. As I, Peter, began to speak, that tiny little part of the sentence, it does not do justice to what was happening. Peter was not just beginning to speak. Peter was telling them about, G about the life of Jesus Christ. He was telling them about sin. He was telling them about separation. He was telling them about everything, the entire breadth of the gospel and the truth of God's very nature and his love. And as he was doing that, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on the disciples at the very, very beginning. As the, their response as they heard the word, as they learned the truth, as they received the gift that God had given to them, they were saved. And now the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the salvation has come not only to the Jew, but to the Gentile. But then there's a problem. Peter's got the, he's got the Jewish religious leaders. They're back in Jerusalem. Word travels fast. And see, they are about to experience an absolute paradigm shift. When Peter gets back to Jerusalem, the Jewish and religious leaders call him in and they say, Peter, we hear that you went and sat down and ate with the Gentiles. We hear that the word of God, that the news of God has gone even to the Gentiles. What, what were you thinking? And Peter says it like this, so if God gave them, Peter is standing before the people who would accuse him of breaking the law, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Let me say this in John speak. If, if God poured out the same Holy Spirit 
on the Gentiles, and I know it. I saw it. I've got six men with me. They can testify they are my witnesses. They saw the whole thing. They saw God's word go into the Gentiles, and they saw the Holy Spirit come on those people, and they saw those people get saved. Who am I to stand in God's way? Let me say it a different way. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus, do you remember when he said, go into all the world? Do you remember when he said that he is going to call all people? Do you remember when he said to go into the whole of creation? He really meant it. We didn't know. He really meant it. So everything is changing for these people. Everything. And how do they respond? Their world changes. They, the religious leaders, had no further objections. And they praised God saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I can imagine the after meeting where they sit around the conference table and they pull out their one year and three year and five year marketing and, 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 and church growth plans and they say, everything's changed. The church is upside down. Not only, do we, not only are we going to reach out to the Jews, but we're going to reach out to the Gentiles. We're going to reach out to the people that we thought we hated. Because guess what? God loves them too. We were wrong. You see, they, they knew what Jesus had taught. They knew that Jesus had said, go into all the world. But that young church, they weren't living it yet. So everything was changed. They were about to change and begin living what Jesus was commanding them to do. We had a revelation, maybe a reminder. We had a reaction, a response, and a paradigm shift. Everything has changed from that day forward. We are in this room today because of what happened in Acts 10 and 11. We are in this room today because God saw the broken pieces of not only the lives of the Jews, but the Gentiles. And he said, I'm going to bring this entire community into one beautiful mosaic. No longer shall there be Jew and Gentile, there shall be my children. In the last four weeks, the message is kind of centered around one set of scriptures. And they're from 1 Corinthians in the chapter 13. And it's all about love. You see, what was happening, what was happening in this New Testament church was God's love was no longer being withheld. God's love was being poured out. And when God's love was being poured out, everything changed and everything was different. I am not so naive as to believe that standing in this room or sitting in this room, there are not people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And as we share this message with you this morning, as you experience this moment when everything changed at the core of it, I want you to know that no matter, that no matter what, there is a God who loves you, there is a Christ and a Savior who died for you, and he longs to have a relationship with you. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your, as your Lord, as we prepare to finish, I encourage you, don't wait to the end. If you want to know more about having Christ as a Savior, get up out of your chair and come on down. If you're sitting next to somebody here today who you know does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but you think, 
that it might be way too embarrassing to stand up in a crowd of people. By the way, everybody in this room is rooting for you right now. They are praying that you would get up and come down. But if you're sitting next to somebody and you know that, you, you know that they might be too embarrassed, how about this? Lean over, whisper in their ear, if you want to go, I'll go with you. You have no idea. You have no idea what the truth of, lo of a loving relationship with a risen Savior is like. It's not easy, but it's really, really good. This morning we've seen Peter realize the meanings of certain teachings that he had received from Jesus. For me, this has been a wonderful experience and a reminder to pay attention to what I have received in the past because someday God is probably going to give me a set of circumstances where I can put what he has given me into application. We met a group of church leaders whose entire marketing plan and growth strategy got rocked at its very foundations, partially because they had not yet surrendered to the truth of Jesus' teachings. And we encountered a group of people we encountered a group of people who knew about God, but they did not know God. And we want nothing more here. And we want nothing less than to give you the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. As we get ready to close, I'm going to ask Peter, don't take this slide down for a minute. When they start singing, just leave the words up. Hopefully we'll know the words to the song. But in the last four weeks, we've focused on this set of scriptures. And I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to leave it up there. Oh, I'm getting the cue that might, we might need the words. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude, it does not incite, insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and it endures all things. At the core of everything we believe is love. Amen. I invite you to experience that. My name is John. I'm the parking lot guy. <laughs> I thank you. I love you. And at this moment, I would customarily say, and I'm done, but today, allow me to say, Avalon Church, we are anything but done. We are just getting started. I thank you for being here.